only live once, but you only live once forever. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Y'all pardon me a moment. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Oh, the Lord is good. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 14. While you're turning there, let me say how happy we are to have all of our guests with us. Let's give all of our guests a great big hand clap. God bless you. We are delighted that you are here this morning in the presence of the Lord. Amen. From 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25. 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25. It came to pass in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He even took away all. And he took away all the shields of gold which Solomon had made. And King Rehoboam made in their stead brazen shields, committed them under the hands of the chief of the guard, which kept the door of the king's house. And it was so, when the king went into the house of the Lord, that the guard bare them and brought them back into the guard chamber. Now the rest of the acts of Rehoboam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And notice verse 30. There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. There was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. Meanwhile, Shishak is taking away the treasures of the house of the Lord while there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I would like to preach to you this morning on, a, on this subject. Treasure is a verb. Treasure is a verb. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Jesus, we love you so much. Because you first loved us. Lord, we don't even know what love is until you loved us. Everything that the world describes as love falls dramatically short of being what love really is. And yet through your perfect love, you have cast out fear. You have torn down strongholds and cast down imaginations. And we thank you for it today. God, I pray that your word would go forth with clarity. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth with power, with accuracy, with love. Help us to hear you. Help us to understand your truth. We love you today and give you all praise. Everybody said in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you for standing. The word treasure immediately conjures up the interesting images of gold and silver 
and precious things. So many stories have been written to illustrate the lust of mankind for treasure. Everybody from Long John Silver to Indiana Jones has searched the world for lost treasure. Mythical places like El Dorado and Lost City of Atlantis have captured the imaginations of people for, for a long time. Giving them the idea that somewhere, some place, there might be treasures that have been put aside, left aside. People wonder sometimes, where did the wealth of the world go? Was it always tended to so perfectly? There might be a place where there are gold chalices and, and, uh, and large containers of silver and gold and precious stones. And, and uh, many a script has have been written concerning the, the idea that through some passageway, even in Washington, D.C., that there would be a stairwell that leads down, deep down into some area that, that just holds the treasures of the world. And so the mind of man and woman has been, has been uh, tantalized by the idea that treasure can be found, maybe that they weren't anticipating just waiting for somebody to discover it. Treasure is certainly a thing. In fact, in 1849, there was a rush for gold across the western landscape of the United States of America. People dropped everything, left everything, forsook family and friends, many of them, some of them just for a temporary time, some of them said, I'll, I'll be back in a year, but I'm going out because there's gold in them thar hills. And so they would just take off and look for lost gold, look for the idea of gold. And, 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 and it actually established the city of San Francisco. The city of San Francisco was a, just a, a small little burg until the whole world. And it wasn't just America, it was the world. I mean, ships were coming in from Asia and and uh, up from South America, and uh, the whole world was interested in the, the gold rush. And it's where the football team got its name, the 49ers. They're rushing for the end zone, and, and the way that the others rushed for gold. And, and uh, it was an amazing time, but it was one of those moments in history that really does remind you how desperate people can be for the riches of this world. We make mad dashes all the time for treasure. Sometimes we will abandon all to pursue the idea of financial wealth. We will abandon people. We will abandon godly pursuits. When, when, when I could stand here and show you in the scriptures where the Lord clearly states that if you'll seek him first and his righteousness, and his kingdom, 
all these things shall be added unto you. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein. There is no blessing like the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of man comes with many strings attached. The blessing of man comes with a lot of misery you didn't plan on and anticipate. But let me tell you something about the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. Hallelujah. And so, so what we discover though in searching for the blessing of the Lord is that The riches of God, just like the love of God, differs from the love of this world. And the peace of God differs from the peace of this world. And the joy of the Lord differs from the joy of this world. And the contentment of God differs from the contentment of this world. Just in that same way, the riches of God differ from the riches of this world. Oh, hallelujah you find that there is a treasure that God has that God knows about that no earthly currency is able to purchase simply because you could gather up all the money in the world and you wouldn't have enough to purchase the riches that I'm talking about. And God gives them to us Free. I'm talking about treasures that make life complete. Treasures that cause minds, hallelujah, to be at rest. Treasures that that breathe contentment into the soul of men and women. That solidify marriages. That give confidence to troubled children. Treasures. Treasures that this world cannot provide. Treasures that heal emotional wounds so deep that you don't even know where to start if you were to try to heal yourself. You wouldn't know where to open yourself up. You wouldn't know where to place the scalpel. You don't know how to get because it's all invisible. But the treasures I'm talking about are able to go down deep into the recesses of your human soul. Your spirit, your mind, your heart, and give you, hallelujah, healing, peace, love, joy. I'm talking about spiritual things. And you need to be careful where you receive spiritual direction. Because there are spirits at work in this world that are leading you to buy into the riches of this world. Into the pleasures of this world. Into the lusts of this world. But when you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. The treasures I'm talking about are not treasures of this world. As a matter of fact, Jesus warned us. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures in this world. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. But he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not corrupt. And where thieves do not break through and steal. That's a treasure. He said the treasures that I'm talking about. Put them in a safe storage. 
These treasures that I'm talking about, you can't keep them in a safety deposit box. You can't keep them in some kind of a container underground. You can't put them in some kind of basement in a temple in some ancient island and, and roll a stone over it and put a passcode on it and, and hope nobody sees it for a millennium. The pre- treasure that I'm talking about is the kind of treasure that you can't feel with your fingers. Oh, but it's real. Oh, but it's real. And I want you to put it in a place where moth and rust cannot penetrate. Where thieves cannot break through and steal. You know, I used to think that that meant heaven was so well guarded that thieves could not break through. You know, they'd be scaling the walls and trying to dig tunnels, but that heaven was just so well guarded. But then it occurred to me as I read the scriptures, there aren't going to be any thieves in heaven. That's why if you're... If you've got theft in your spirit, you better repent of it and get it aside. Because my Bible tells me there's not going to be any thief in heaven. God has a place for you, but he doesn't have a place for your sin. Your sin has to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. You can't bring that with you. No sin will enter that city. You don't have to worry about walking down the street in that city. You don't have to worry about who you're going to run into in that city. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to get in some kind of a violent altercation in that city. That city is the city where the Lamb is the light. And the Bible specifically says, no murderers shall walk therein. Oh, hallelujah. I'm talking about a peaceful, peaceful treasure that God has for you. So you can search if you want to for the treasures of this world. You can try to sign the contracts and sell your soul for the treasures of this world. But the treasure that I'm talking about that is real treasure is a treasure, hallelujah, that sustains and saves and satisfies eternally. One place Peter and John were walking into the temple And as they were walking into the temple, the gate called Beautiful, they passed by it. And there was a man lame from his mother's womb. And he made eye contact with Peter and John. And they fastened their eyes on him. you got to understand, these men had just been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. These men had just been endued with a power from on high. They weren't just Pete and Johnny any longer. They were the apostles Peter and John, filled with the Holy Ghost, washed in the blood of the Lamb, sanctified by the Spirit of God. And when they walked through that gate called Beautiful, they had in them gifts of the Spirit. They had flowing from them fruit of the Spirit. And when this lame man looked upon them, he expected to receive something. And he asked for an alms. And Peter and John looked at this lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And Peter spoke up and said, silver and gold, have I none? Now I'm going to tell somebody who's waiting for God to land a Mercedes Benz 2018 in your driveway. 
this year. Let me just tell you something. Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. Now, if God wants to give me a bunch of silver and gold, I'd say, thank you, Jesus. And, and I'll just, Lord, you show me how to use it and how to, thank you, Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. What I know about God is that God isn't worried about the treasures of this world. And God sometimes will withhold the materialistic so he can give you the miraculous. You want me to tell you why Peter had no silver and no gold? Because if Peter would have had silver and gold, that's what he would have given the lame man. You want some money? I got that. I got some to spare. There you go. And move on his way. But he didn't have silver. And he didn't have gold. But what he did have was a treasure this world cannot manufacture. He said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Took the man by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he started walking, leaping, praising God, walked into the temple with Peter and John, and began to tell everybody what the Lord had done for him. Silver and gold can't buy that. Silver and gold can't buy that. So you can envy all those who are receiving the treasures of this world. And believe me, again, I want to reiterate, if God blesses you, then God bless you. Hallelujah. We rejoice with you that rejoice. But understand that it is every good and every perfect gift that cometh down from the Father of lights. And if your blessing comes from Him, thank Him for it. But if that blessing doesn't come from God, it's got a string attached to it. A string that will tug on your soul. Hallelujah. And so treasure is an amazing word. And people, people really do much for it. But it's not, it's not just, a, it's not just a, an uncomplicated word. It's one of those words that can be both a noun and a verb. Years ago, a, a Christian a music group, a man said, love is a verb. And they were right. Love is a verb. Love isn't just a noun. Love is a verb. Hope isn't just a noun. Hope is a verb. There are many words that serve as both a thing and a thing you do. And treasure is one of those words. It's both a, a thing of substance. But it's also a thing that you do. You treasure something. Now, I don't know what it is you treasure today. But I'll tell you, it's important that you understand what your treasure is and where your treasure is. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, you can actually be deliberate with where your heart is by directing where your treasure is. This is one of the reasons why God said to the people, give, 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 and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He wanted people to give all so that their heart was fully invested. 
in the kingdom of God. Where your treasure is, your heart follows. Where you've placed your investment, that's where your heart is. And if you're routinely investing in the pleasures of this world, that's where your heart is. If you're routinely investing in the treasures of this world, that's where your heart is. But I've come to talk to you today about a treasure, hallelujah, hallelujah, that no stock market fluctuation can affect. I've come to talk to you about a treasure that no recession or depression can affect. I've come to talk to you about a treasure, hallelujah, a treasure that no moth and no rust can corrupt, a treasure that comes directly from God. And you get to decide whether it's merely a treasure or whether it's something that you treasure. David always wanted to build a house for the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. What God had called him to do, though, was a challenging thing because he was the king of Israel. And it was his job to protect Israel from their enemies. And Israel had a lot of enemies. There has always been a spirit of antichrist in the world. And it is a spirit of antichrist that seeks to annihilate the bloodline of Abraham. And this was very active in the days of David, the king of Israel. The Philistines were no small enemy. And they were just one of several. But in David's battles, he fought like a warrior. He was one of the greatest warriors The world has ever known. Not just this Bible, but the world. As a matter of fact, he was such an amazing warrior that there was a time in which he was was alone being sought after by King Saul. He was actually the fugitive. He had no malice in his heart, but he was being chased down by King Saul. And, And in his cave, God led misfits of society to where he sat. And these were folks who had given up on life. These were folks who were so depressed they didn't want to see another day. These were folks that were so indebted they didn't know what to do with themselves. And here they came to David. And David, through his mentorship and through the time he spent with them, turned them into one of the most elite war machines the world has ever known. They were amazing. They were amazing. One guy, one guy, I love the way the Bible says it, he... He fought and killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. That's a bad day, folks. First of all, it's snowing. You can't even keep your chariot on the road, you know. You're just slipping and sliding and they didn't cancel church or school. And you're on your way to, to, you slip into a pit. And then you find out that the pit has a lion in it. That's not exactly the way it happened. He was thrown into the pit with a lion. And it was snowing. And they didn't have to wait and see what was going to happen. They could just walk away. But what they had not counted on was the fact that he had been trained by David. And David like slew lions in his sleep. Bears are running on the flock and David's body slamming, pile driving, throwing him up against the ropes, clotheslining. He walks out as a kid onto a battlefield against Goliath. 
Need I say more? The name itself tells you everything you need to know. And Goliath says, am I a dog that you would send a child to do a man's job? I asked for your champion. And David walked out there with not an ounce of armor, didn't have on a helmet, didn't even have a sword or a spear. And he said, you come against me with a sword and with a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the hosts of Israel. David was one bad dude you didn't want to mess with David but he was a good man he actually had a good heart and he fought righteously he fought righteously and he defended people he defended the innocent he protected them and and yet when it came time to build the temple of the Lord the Bible says that David wanted to do it and God said you can't because you have blood on your hands you have fought so many battles and when we build this temple David it's so much bigger than just this building this is going to be a type of the temple I build and so it has to be innocent hands that build it because I'm innocent and so David wasn't able to build it but he did everything he could to prepare for it he gathered the plans that God gave Moses in the mountain because it wasn't going to be just some random arbitrary plan put in place. This was going to be a heavenly pattern established by God in the holy mountains. And David knew that pattern, had studied that pattern, and he gathered all the men that he could and said, you're going to hew stones, and you're going to bring cedars and silver and gold, and everything that I've accumulated over my life and through my battles and all, all that God has given me and everything that I've been blessed with, all of it is going into the temple of God. All of it is going to bless the children of Israel from this day and forevermore. And so when Solomon, his son, entered the picture, Solomon had a, a veritable treasure trove to work with. He had all the gold he'd need, and he brought in more. All the silver, and he brought in more. He brought in cedars from Lebanon. He had navies of ships bringing in cedars from Lebanon. He worked with countries around him. They even contributed. He had silver and gold and brass and iron and marble and, 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 and granite and all of all the ivory. Things, that, things that, that they say it was the most elaborate temple the world had ever been witness to. That he was the wealthiest man ever to live. And he built the temple of the Lord. Some of the gold that David had arranged, Solomon took it and developed shields of solid gold. Gold that came from his father's battles. And he made these shields of gold that represented victory for the children of Israel. That represented the fact that God had protected them from their adversaries. And these shields of gold were in the treasure house. And Solomon had a rough end of his life. He ended up making some very bad decisions and choices and served even other gods. His wives turned his heart from the Lord. But while he was serving the Lord, he was the wisest man to walk the earth. 
And the things that he did were so wise. The book of Proverbs is a book replete with godly wisdom that came from the mouth of King Solomon. When Solomon died, however, Rehoboam became the, the king of Israel. Rehoboam was different than Solomon, and he was much different than David. He was not the warrior David was, and he was not the wise man Solomon was. As a matter of fact, he even thought, how am I going to rule these people? I mean, these are really big shadows. Can you imagine having to follow David and Solomon? When Jesus was trying to think of who he could speak of concerning wisdom, the only name that came to mind was Solomon. And he said, behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Rehoboam had to follow David. He had to follow Solomon. And he was nervous. And he called the counselors together. The elders. And he said, I want to know, how should I rule this people Israel? And the elders said, well, O king, your father was a wise man, but he was really, really rough. He was really rough, and he was, he was man, he, uh, he was really hard on the people. So I would just say, you know, maybe we need a little season of you lightening up just a bit. And Rehoboam said, oh, I see what, what my buddies say. And he called his peers together, and he said to his peers, these guys want me to lighten things up a little bit on the people. What do you say? And the peers spoke up and said, we think you need to be harder than your dad was. If he used whips, you use a whip and put a little spike on the end of it. And, and, and Rehoboam liked the sound of it. It fed his ego. And so he, he launched into this way of governing and, and it caused so many problems. And the Bible says that the kingdom split. Ten tribes went with Jeroboam. And here Rehoboam was now with the tribe of Judah. And Jeroboam with the nation of Israel. Now there are two nations, nation of Judah and nation of Israel. And Rehoboam was bent for the rest of his life on reuniting Israel under one banner. And so Jeroboam became his enemy. His own blood became his enemy. His friend, his neighbor became his enemy. The one that he used to serve with became his adversary. Never mind the fact that encamped all around Israel as one adversary after another waiting to pounce at the first sign of vulnerability. But Rehoboam can't see that or maybe he just doesn't care. All he can see is what Jeroboam did to offend him, to hurt him, to wound him. And so one of the alliances that he made was with a king by the name of Shishak the king of Egypt. And while Rehoboam is making nice with Shishak, Jeroboam, his own friend and neighbor and brother, is the target of his adversarial ways. Shishak comes in like a flood when Rehoboam least expects it. Takes all of the treasures out of the house of the Lord, including the shields of gold, that Solomon had built from the gold that David had garnered. And Rehoboam is now stuck with 
with poverty. With a nation that was already on the brink. But because he lost the treasures that his father and his grandfather put in place. He's now in an impoverished position. All because he never treasured the treasure. You know what he did? He made friends with the enemy. And made an enemy of his friend. Some of you are so hurt over what somebody did to you. That they've become the target of your passion. You've got hate in your heart. The hurt has metastasized into hate. And now you can't forgive because you are so concentrated and so focused on what Jeroboam did. And how Jeroboam wounded you. Don't fall for the devil's tricks like that. Because here's what the devil is doing. The devil is getting you distracted by the Jeroboams of your life. So that he can come in like a flood. And take what God has given you. As a blessing. As a treasure. God has so many pleasures and treasures for his people. It is the father's good pleasure. To give unto you the kingdom of God. It is God's will that you be at peace in your home. It is God's will that you have sanity in your mind. It is God's will that you prosper in the name of the Lord. It is God's will that you have harmony in your relationships. But if you get so focused on who did you wrong as a child, Or who did you wrong as a teenager? Or who did you wrong in your marriage? Or who did you wrong? Can I preach to somebody? Who did you wrong in this relationship or that relationship? You'll spend all your days at war with Jeroboam. While Shishak has deceived you into believing that he's just an innocent part of your life. Shishak is just where you go to unwind. Shishak is just where you go to kind of take your mind off the pain. Shishak is just where you go to smoke your troubles away. Shishak is where you go to drink all your worries away. Shishak is just that relationship that's not of God. And you know that it's not of God. Oh, but it makes you feel better for the moment. I wish I could preach to somebody like I feel it. You better watch out because Shishak is studying you. Finding where your treasure is. Finding where your blessing is. Finding where the good things of your life live and when you least expect it he's going to send in his troops and while you're over here strategizing against your brother down the pew while you're down here strategizing on how you can how you can get back take revenge still be bitter still be hating still holding a grudge while you're worried about all that You're losing some of the most valuable treasures that God has ever put in your life. I've seen it happen one too many times for me to sit back and take it lightly. In the name of Jesus, be free from that bitterness. In the name of Jesus, be free from that pain. In the name of Jesus, be free from that resentment. In the name of Jesus, there are too many treasures that God has given you. God's been good to you. Can you thank him?
Come on, somebody. I want to see, has anybody ever been hurt before? Has anybody ever been blessed? Raise your other hand. Hallelujah. Anybody ever, now take that one down. Anybody ever been betrayed before? Now how many has ever been blessed? Raise your other hand. Come on, don't let the devil get you so focused on what went wrong in your life that you can't focus, hallelujah, on the treasures that God bestows upon you. Hallelujah. 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 I've got some treasures in my life. And you know what? There's nobody that can hurt me bad enough to give those treasures up. These treasures mean too much to me. My father fought for these treasures. My grandfather fought for these treasures. Hallelujah. My great-grandfather prayed these treasures into existence. And I won't let them up. I won't let them go. There's There's no relationship in this world that's good enough that will let me ever let go of the treasures that God has brought into my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someday I'm going to get it. I'm going to bring it up here on the platform, the pulpit I learned to preach from. I was, well, when I was five, it was a pirate ship. My brother and I would lay it down and it had these little openings, see, between the shelf. And we would sit in those openings and it was a pirate ship. And we would look for treasure. But the real treasure that that pulpit brought into my life, when I was about 10 years old, I stood it upright how it was supposed to stand. Now it comes up to about here, but then it was, it was just the right size. And I would preach. I would preach. Hallelujah. Nobody to listen to me but the stuffed animals, but I would preach. Hallelujah. I had two teddy bears baptized in Jesus' name. Come on. I had a... I can't remember what those hound dogs are called. The the, the pound dog puppies or something like that. Had one of them get the Holy Ghost. Glory. I was just playing to start with. But started as playing and turned into praying. You let a child begin to play with the things of God and they'll turn into it in just a moment. You let them sing a little bit. You let them preach a little bit. You let them raise their hand and play church for a little while and somebody's liable to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's liable to talk in tongues. Somebody's liable to start dancing in the Spirit because because God so desires to put treasure in your soul. Hallelujah. I could literally stay up all night preaching. All night. And I pound that pulpit and I would and I would preach. I had a little red Fisher Price microphone. Woo! And I'd tear into that. And I'd open up my Bible and I'd find the first scripture I'd read and I'd preach from that scripture. And then I'd bring my friends over and they had to preach too. We had marathon conferences preach one right after another one right after another and they liked it we'd preach, preach, preach preach, preach, pray have Holy Ghost revival in the back room 
One time my dad had to knock on the door. Hey, hold it down. Don't lose your voice in there. Because I was preaching, preaching. And I touched God in those moments. I was, I was just, just kind of running through the, through, through the hallways of our family heritage. And I stumbled into the treasure room on accident. Hallelujah. And I saw stuff that my dad set aside. And things that my granddad put in there. And stuff that my great-grandfather put. Stuff that is so valuable. Stuff that is so worthwhile. Stuff that to this day holds my feet. Things that to this moment cause me to square my shoulders. Narrow my eyes and say I can run through a troop. Leap over a wall. God's been good to me. I got it from that treasure house. And I won't trade that treasure for anything. There's no pleasure of this world sweet enough to lose that treasure. There's no betrayal so difficult that I would ever take my eyes off of that treasure. And God, help it be so. Help it be so. When I married, I was moving everything out of my parents' house. I married when I was quite young, and I was just loading everything up, went and grabbed my pulpit, <laughs> carried it under my arm, and I'm walking out of the house. My dad said, hold up. <laughs> that was my pulpit before it was your pulpit. <laughs> he treasured the treasure. It wasn't just a treasure. It was a treasured treasure. It wasn't just, you know, you know who made it for him, Brother C.P. Kilgore, when he was five years old, came to Calvary Tabernacle, Indianapolis, and built that pulpit and stood it up before him and said, you ought to preach from that pulpit. And then he gave it to my brother and I, and that's where we learned to preach. It's a treasure, it's a treasure, it's a treasure, it's a treasure. But you got to learn how to treasure the treasures. Hallelujah. My family, I'm thankful for my last name. And, and I, it, it, the name Urshan means a lot to me. I'm thankful for it. It, it, it represents something. It, it represents, it represents uh, to me, it represents the, a lot of the working of the Holy Ghost in the 20th and 21st century. The name of Jesus and, and the oneness of God and the power of God and, and, and divine miracles. I mean, it represents that. But you know, you know the, the, the best name my family ever gave to me isn't my last name. The best name my family ever gave to me was the name I was baptized into. Hallelujah. The name that is a strong tower that the righteous run into and are safe don't bother asking me to baptize into another name there is no sweeter name and there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and don't bother asking me to recant that name because I'll die for that name that name is sweet to my soul that name is sweet to my soul He died for me. He shed his blood for me. 
And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that treasure. I'm thankful for that treasure. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord. I commend you parents for bringing your children to the house of God. Young people, you need to thank God every day you're on these first few rows. Worshiping God. Praising God. Magnifying God. Feeling His presence. I will guarantee you, there will come a time in your life where you will want to feel his presence and it won't be readily available. I'll tell you that. Where one of the most heart-rending things for me as a pastor through the years has been talking to that person who says, Pastor, I can't feel him anymore. I can't feel him anymore. That doesn't mean that you're cut off. That doesn't mean he's not there. That doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. But it does mean that you need to pray through. It does mean you need to press through. You need to break through. Don't you sit back content and carnal and look upon this thing and say, well, I've been there, done that. I used to go to church. Don't be one of those people that mistake religion for Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you something. God forgive me for every person I've wounded. God forgive me for every person I've offended. God forgive me for every person I've hurt. Listen, I'm just Joel, but I've been baptized into Jesus. Don't mistake Joel for Jesus. If you've ever seen anything stupid or arrogant or ignorant or or self-righteous or or just offensive, that's Joel. If you've ever seen anything anointed or kind or compassionate, that's Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. Treasure the treasure. Hallelujah. This right here, this is the first revival Bible. I call it my revival Bible. I was 15, and it was 1994. Pastor Harper, Huntington, West Virginia. He gave me this notepad and said, "You make sure you write down all your sermons. So I did, and I took it a step further, and I anointed a hanky and handkerchief in anointing oil, like I like, like doused it in anointing oil. This was the front of the front of the tablet, and I put the hanky on the front of the tablet, and I said, "God, I want you to anoint." Every word that comes out of my mouth. I was 15. I said, God, I know I can't do this on my own. But if you'll anoint me to preach your word, if you'll anoint me to preach your word, I'll preach it. I'm going to take my hand and I want to try the best I can to write down words I think you would want to say to the people you're trying to save. But I can't do it without your anointing. And it sat on that tablet for years in fact all the pages have been bled through with oil 
It even smells like anointing oil. I know it's, I know, I know nobody would spend much on this, but this is a treasure to me. Pastor Harper dropping me off at the hotel <laughs> saying now you go prepare for tonight's service and I'd have about three hours and I would kneel down by that bed with this Bible open and I'd raise my hands to God say Lord speak to my heart speak to my spirit speak to my soul I need you Lord I need you Lord that's a treasure to me that's a treasure to me and in this hectic pace society, when it's so easy to get caught up in a rat race, and it's so easy to try to think of something to say, something to preach, I have to remember, no, 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 no. Don't you take your eyes off that treasure. Don't take your eyes off of what works. Don't take your eyes off of what God has given to you. You go back to the treasure house and you pull out those ornaments from the treasure house. Not the ornamentation of this world. The ornamentation of the spirit. You go back and get a hold of the treasure trove that God has provided you with. Don't get your eyes on those who might hurt you. Don't get your eyes on those who might flatter you. Don't get your eyes on money. Don't get your eyes on compromise or heresy. Don't get your eyes on false doctrine. Don't get your eyes on trying to climb some kind of ladder. What ladder? The only ladder I want to climb is Jacob's ladder. Directly into the glory of God. No. No. Come on, don't get your eyes on that stuff because Shishak is looking for you to let your guard down. Shishak is waiting for you to just step away long enough that he can take what your father gave you and what your grandfather gave you and what your great-grandfather gave you. You know what Rehoboam did? He comes back to the treasure house and sees that it is all gone. Everything that his father gave him. Everything that his grandfather fought for and men died for. Gone. So, he made shields of brass. Shields of brass look like gold. But they're not gold. I don't care what you look like today. You got to be the real thing. Oh, it's easy to put on a good show. It's easy to cry at the right times, shout at the right times, dance at the right times. It's easy to shout amen, preacher, at the right times. You become like a robot. You just push the Pentecostal buttons, and the robot does what you want the robot to do. God forbid! God forbid! That you ever try to replace this shield of gold with a shield of brass. Hezekiah, the king of Judah, walked into the temple and he looks at all the pieces of furniture. It's just like God gave to Moses. Just like God gave to Moses. Everything, the brazen altar, the laver of water, the seven golden candlesticks, the altar of incense, the table of show showbread. But 
then there was this item in there that God never told Moses to put in there. And it was a brass serpent. It was a famed part of Israel's history. It was the moment when the venomous snakes poured out of the wilderness and began to bite indiscriminately the children of Israel and put venom into their veins. And the thing was that God instructed Moses, grab the brazen serpent, lift it up. In fact, he called it fiery, the fiery serpent. Lift it up for all of Israel to see. And when the children of Israel would lay eyes on that fiery serpent, the venom would stop and they would be healed. Jesus would later say, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And just as God healed them of that venomous snake bite, God will heal you of your sin-sick soul. But, but, but Israel misinterpreted something. They got their eyes off of the God who did the healing. And they started to worship the thing he used at the moment. And they set up that fiery serpent. But now it's not fire any longer. It's just... It's just brazen. It's just a brass, brass, copper serpent. And Hezekiah did something daring. He grabbed it and he called it Nehushtan, which means worthless copper. And he pulled it out of the temple and said it doesn't belong in the temple of the Lord. Some of you are still worshiping a fiery experience you had decades ago. And all it's become is worthless copper in your life. You've replaced a shield of gold with a shield of brass. And God is calling you back to the treasure house. God is calling you back to the treasure house. Could somebody lift up your hands to him right now and just say, God, I need the treasures again. The Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Let me tell you about those tongues of men and angels. Let me tell you the first time the Bible talks about those tongues of men and angels. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. But Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, those cloven tongues like as a fire become like sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. So to you today, have you forgot to treasure the treasure? Have you forgotten to care about what God has done in your life? Hallelujah. I worship the God who brought me out of darkness. I worship you, God, who healed my soul. I worship you today, God, who washed my sins away. Somebody lift up your hands and worship God. Lord, the treasures, the treasures, the treasures that you have put into my life, help me to truly treasure them. Help me never to take them for granted. Come on, somebody, stand with me right now and lift up your hands unto the Lord and say, God, I need you. 
I want somebody who's let it drift, who's let it drift, who's let it become something God never wanted it to be. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. 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 Come on, somebody, such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, there's a treasure that God wants to give you. Will you buy the truth? Will you buy the truth? Don't sell it. Buy the truth. Sell it not. Buy the truth. Sell it not. Buy the truth. Sell it not. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man who sold all that he had for the treasure that was in the field. somebody just give it all right now could you just lay everything aside right now could you do that in this place could you do that in this place could you lay everything aside right now say God I need the treasure hidden in the field I need the treasure that this world cannot bring these altars are open somebody else needs to come come on somebody right now somebody right now Somebody right now, in the name of Jesus, come, come, come. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Of this world will grow strangely dear. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah!